I don't mean that. Well, we thank the Lord for Ron and for the pastoral search committee, and uh, we believe good things are coming. Amen? Look, God's always up to something. Isn't that true? He's always something good if we'll hear him and, and seek to follow him. Would you turn uh, in your Bible or the one found in front of you to John, the fifth chapter? I'm going to begin there. Uh, we're continuing our study in the book of John. Pastor Steve and Michael have been leading us in that. And uh, we'll begin there. And if you turn to John, and I'll begin in just a minute reading. As you're finding your place there, a little bit of humor, um, my... Uh, daughter and son-in-law went out west uh, travel nursing for a, a year and they sent me a picture and I had it on my phone. I was looking at it this week and uh, they were beside a barn and uh, in Wyoming, I believe. And the whole, the, the farmer who owned that barn had, had painted uh, a message on the side of the barn. He, he, uh, he, he had, he had made it so big that anybody who drove by could see it. Uh, he, he, and, and the message uh, said, um, anyone who is not confused really doesn't understand the situation. <laughs> that farmer got so frustrated uh, with, with, with the craziness uh, of the country and everything. He finally, he had a Popeye moment. I, I've had all I can stand. I can't stand no more. I'm going to put a commentary uh, up on the side of my barn. Anyone who ain't confused really doesn't understand uh, the situation. And you know, it, it's, it's good to have a, a sense of humor uh, in crazy times, lest we become crazy. Uh, it's good to have a sense of humor uh, and, and, and to just, just to laugh at it. And you know, in our scripture uh, today, uh, I, I, was, I was reading back through the, the first five chapters of, of John, and in our scripture, I, I, I don't know how that the Pharisees didn't make Jesus more and more uh, crazy because they were always there on the edge of the crowd, lurking. They were always there dark shadowed figures in the, in the edge of the crowd, sitting with arms folded in judgment, critiquing, resisting, questioning, quenching, undercutting, maligning, condemning. They were always there. They were there in the first chapter with John the Baptist. They asked, you know, who, who are you to be baptizing? In verse 25, in the second chapter, they're there in verse 18, saying to Jesus, what signs do you, do you show us? They're there in the, in the night watches in chapter 3. You remember a Pharisee came to Jesus. They're there in chapter 5. As things are starting to come to a head, it says they were seeking to find ways to kill Jesus. He had broken the rules. How exhausting. Just think about it for a minute. How exhausting it must have been for, for Jesus. He, here he is doing this ministry. 
healing the sick, the masses pressing on him all the time. He's extending himself in ministry, and, and his soft underbelly is exposed. And there are the Pharisees continually trying to undercut. See, the religious world in which Jesus came had been hijacked. It had been hijacked by the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The, the, the powers that, that be, they had hijacked the system, the religious system for their own ends. And Jesus was a threat. The atmosphere was oppressive. It was controlled constantly by them. For they had the laws of God. But they had taken, beloved, the, the laws of God. And they had taken the blessing and it had become a burden to the people. When Jesus said, come unto me, all you labor in heaven, he's talking about those who are so burdened down with the law that they're crushed under it. Come learn of me and you'll find rest. I'm going to reestablish a God rest, but you've got to learn of me. This is dead. It's a burden, not a blessing. The requirements, one upon the next. God had given Moses ten commandments, and they had added 604 there were civil laws. They had added uh, ceremonial laws. They had added moral laws. There were 614 laws that they had to keep. 249 were positive, thou shalt. And 365 were negative, thou shall not. You see, it controlled everything of, <coughs> excuse me, of the day and of the night. Everything had to be, be, be controlled and, and kept down to the, 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 even the spices, how much spice you used here or there. Matthew 23, woe to you, he finally says to, to the Pharisees, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for the tithe of mint and dill and cumin, you have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy. So you're, you're missing it. How is it that you could, could miss it, says Jesus, basically? How can you take the, the blessing of the word of God and make it uh, a curse? You twisted it. And it, it began to make Jesus crazy, didn't it? It, it began to, to make him more and more agitated. He saw what it was doing to the people. He had taken the law of God. And the love of God out of God's word. You're distorting, you're misrepresenting, he's saying, the heart of God. You're crushing rather than, than blessing. He finally in Matthew 23 says to them, the scribes and the Pharisees seat themselves in the chair of Moses in the, in the place of authority. They tie up heavy loads and lay them upon men's shoulders. They do all their deeds to be noticed by men. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You shut off the kingdom of heaven from men, for you do not enter in yourself, nor do you allow those who are entering to go through. 
You're blocking the real blessings of God. Woe to you. You're like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside are full of dead men's bones. How is it? It it was was like a Popeye moment. I've had all I can stand. I can stand no more. Jesus had to to, to come out and say, how is it that you could take the blessings of God and make them a curse? You know, it's the only place in Scripture, think about it, where Jesus loses it. Who is it that he loses it with? Tell me. The religious people. What was it that caused him to lose it? They were misrepresenting the heart of his father. Our scripture for today, John 5, Jesus again has broken the rules. He's broken the rules. You know the story. Look with me, John 5. Beginning in verse 6, a man there at the pool, 38 years, you remember it. He's been sick, laying at the pool, and Jesus comes by in Jerusalem, and he sees him there, verse 6. And what does Jesus do? He, He saw him there, lying, and knew he had already been there in that condition a long time. How did he know that? He had the Father's heart. And he said to him, do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. But when I am coming forward, another steps down. And Jesus says to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man is made well. And he takes up his bed and, 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 and walks. And it says the day was the Sabbath Now, I want you to look here. You know, in Scripture, there are humorous things. And I find this very humorous. Here's this man. Everybody knows him. He's been there 38 years. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes and has the heart of the Father toward him. And he says to him, you know, rise up. And the man rises up. He takes hold of Jesus' words in faith. And he's healed. Wow, it's a miracle. And he's walking and leaping and praising God. There's a wildfire. People are telling other people, what happened? What happened? There's this commotion. Everybody's telling everybody. And sure enough, the Pharisees find out about it. And here come the Pharisees, verse 10. And they come to the guy and they said, before, uh, to, to the one who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. In other words, you can't be healed on the Sabbath. This guy's going wild. You know, he's healed and they come up and, you know, joy suckers come along and suck all the joy out. And the amazing thing, think about it, it's it's, it's humorous. I mean, all of a sudden, the guy, he just totally goes deadpan from being wild and with enthusiasm. And they basically... Uh, say to him, uh, he says to them in verse 11, don't blame me, it wasn't my fault. That's what he says, but it was, it was him. And he can't even think. And they say, they say, well, who? In verse 12. And in verse 13, he basically says, I don't know. It was him. 
It's like, you know, Adam in, in, the, in the garden when, when he, God comes to him. It wasn't me, God, it was him. It was her, rather. He, he turns and, and, and he says, it was him. He forgets Jesus' name because what? The religious intimidation of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They couldn't enter in, beloved, to the joy, <laughs> to this joyful situation. They couldn't participate in what God was doing. You see, the Pharisees were more determined than ever to destroy Jesus, verse 18. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he had broken the Sabbath and he had also said that God was his father. Now, verse 19, Jesus responds to them. And he, what he says is basically, I'm not the charlatan that you, I'm not the false Messiah. I'm not claiming greatness for myself. Quite the opposite, verse 19. Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son of God can do nothing of himself, for he only can do what he sees the Father doing. I'm only listening to him. I'm not claiming greatness for myself. I'm only seeking the Father's heart and, and to do what I see him doing. And then he extends grace in this conversation, even to the Pharisees. He extends grace to them, verse 24, most assuredly. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and shall not come into judgment, but shall pass from death to life. He's reaching to them. Most assuredly, verse 25, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead, the spiritually dead, will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. If you'll hear, even now, Pharisees, you will live. It's your opportunity. But they did not hear. They would not listen. Verse 37. And Jesus goes on to say, And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You, Pharisees, Sadducees, have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. You do not have his word abiding in you. How do we know that? Because you have not recognize the one he sent. You have not believed in him. You haven't received him. You haven't responded to him. Even though the signs of the kingdom of there, the blind see, the lame walk, the leper is cleansed, the, the dead are raised. Even though the signs are there, you haven't received him. You haven't responded from the heart. Verse 39, you search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. But these are which testify of me, and you would not come to me that I might give you life. What is he saying? He's saying there's more to it than the words. The words lead to a living reality that makes you alive. The spirit of the living God, the person of Jesus You're not in touch, he's saying. You've got the words. There, there's a form of godliness, but it's denying the power thereof. 
You're not in touch. You're not in tune. You're not really listening to the heart of the Father. The words are meant, says Jesus, to lead you to the life, to the heart. But you would not. You wouldn't participate. You just critique. Verse 25, I say unto you, said Jesus, the hour is coming and now is when the spiritually dead will hear and those who hear will live. It's a living relationship, beloved. Do you hear? Are you listening? Am I listening to the, to the heart of the Father? You see, the, the Pharisees had settled. They had settled for appearances. But how many of you know that in the world, you're going to get hardened and you're either going to become like the world, hardened, or like the Pharisees? Can you say amen to that? If we don't hear the heart of the Father on an ongoing relationship, if we don't keep hearing his heart, we become hardened and we inevitably become religious. Or we return to the world. It's a living relationship, says Jesus. The words are to lead you to the life, to the relationship, to the reciprocal communing one with another that restores and revives the heart. You see, they missed out on the life of God. <coughs> they had the law of God, but they didn't have the love of God in their heart. They missing it. They had settled for appearances. They had a form, but not the power thereof. Oh, Jesus said that, that they had only known what it means that I desire compassion and not sacrifice. That I desire compassion, an inner love, heart relationship, and not a, an external ritual. The ritual means nothing if the heart is not connected I desire compassion, not sacrifice. He's Jesus saying, if you'd understood that, you wouldn't have condemned the innocent. They were missing the point. Could we? Could that happen to us? To you? You know what? It's happened to me. I've cared more about the rules at times than the people. I had the law of God, but not the, the love of God, and I lost the life of God. Yeah, I was right. Dead right. You ever been dead right? It's okay to say amen. Your wife knows. Your children know. There's no hiding it. Oh, we're right. But we're dead. Dead right. See, Jesus had a life that renews the dead right. 
It revives the self-right. What was the problem? They were no longer hearing the heart of God. Just the rules. And they missed out on the life of God. And we can too. If we don't continue to hear the heart of the Father, the one that Jesus said, that's the only one that I'm listening to. I'm not going to listen to the conventions of men. I'm not going to follow all these religious rules and traditions of men. I'm listening to the heart of the Father because that's where the life is. Can you say amen? You remember your first love. But all of us, if we don't keep hearing the the heart of the the Father in danger of misinterpreting and misrepresenting the heart of God, not only to our family, but to the world. Caring more about the rules than the people. I'm almost finished. I know it's not true, but many in the world today, beloved, see us, church people, as the Pharisees. They believe we don't care, that we just want them to follow our rules. And before you deflect that, let it sink in for a minute. As Christians, we want to hear the truth. There's a need to allow that truth to do its work. Because there is a chasm. There's a growing chasm between church people and the world. Who's going to bridge that chasm? Oh, we're right. But we can become dead right. have an article, just read a a, a little bit out of it, about this growing chasm. 80% of all churches in America are either plateaued or in active decline. Baptist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Methodist, it doesn't matter across the board. This landmark Pew research uh, indicates 90%, uh, excuse me, rather, in in 1990, 86% of Americans identified with the Christian faith in in some way or another. Today, 20% less. The fastest growing religious movement in in the United States, the nuns. When asked if they identified with any religion, they said, none. I didn't even mean that to be a joke. <laughs> but I'm boom. The biggest complaint. The church, we gotta hear it. The church wasn't willing or able 
to step beyond themselves to address the real needs of people. Think with me for a minute. What are the real needs of people? Just think about it. What are the real needs of people? To be loved. Jesus made it his greatest commandment. Love God, all heart, soul, and your neighbor. To be loved. You know, we think about it and we think the needs are so great out there. What can we do? Listen. It just strikes me that the, the real question, beloved, isn't what can we do? The real question is, the real question is, do we actually care? Do we actually care? Are we willing to care. It isn't immediately doing something. It's really saying, Father, do I really even care? Seeing the multitudes, Jesus wasn't disgusted because he saw beyond the outer appearance. He felt the love of the Father in his heart. He felt compassion for them because he saw what was really happening in their hearts. They were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. And no, we can't care about everybody, but we can care about somebody. Can you say amen? The question is, are we willing to keep hearing the heart of the Father? We can't care about everybody, but we can say, Father, show me how. I just have a fish and loaf, but just a word, a, a drink a sip of water in Jesus' name. Somehow the, the fish and the loaves get multiplied when we do it in faith. React, reaching beyond ourselves. That's how Jesus said we're going to find our, our lives, by, by taking the time to give our lives away. I saw a TV commercial. I was watching it this last week. It was about wrinkle cream. <laughs> and I was watching this commercial about wrinkle cream. And the more the commercial went on, the more I realized they were saying that I was under threat of not being loved because I have wrinkles. How many of you know that you are not loved or unloved because you have wrinkles? And that the way you get love is not by getting rid of your, uh, your wrinkles. The way you get love is by doing what? Loving. Giving love. Wake up. 
the way you get love is by give, Jesus said, and I will give. You want to flow in the life of God? Follow the word of God. There's a, a life there. But you've got to hear the heart of the Father. It isn't just because those needy people need us out there. We need to give what's in our heart so that we can live. Lord, the surest way to find you and your heart is to love. Forgive me, Lord, when I don't take the time to hear your heart and I become hardened. I inevitably become religious and like the Pharisees, I begin to judge. I, be care, I care more about the rules than about the people. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And Lord, forgive me when you were willing to sacrifice all for me and I am unwilling to sacrifice anything. So little. Lord, today I repent from the idol of worshiping my own comfort for desiring to be served and not to serve. For seeing people as an interruption to my schedule and not the, the purpose. Create in us, oh God, clean hearts. Renew right spirits. Help us to see the pain of the world, not just the arrogance. Hurting people hurt people. They've been hurt. They want to hurt back because they don't have a savior. Give us the love of God that we might have compassion. May we be challenged as a church to become fit spiritually for service in your kingdom. There's no retirement that I see in the Bible. That we're to carry the good news, the love of God. And no, Lord, we can't do everything. But show us, Lord, where we can do something. Put in our heart, Lord, someone who needs to be loved. Give us the willingness to sacrifice some time to care. Lord, seal in our hearts your words. You tell us that we're not just to be hearers, but we're to respond to your word. This is the time, Lord, that we say, Lord, the word's not talking about someone else. It's talking about me. I need to hear your word. Create that life, Lord. <laughs> that new life as we obey you. As we say, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. I want to flow 
Give us that new freedom that comes with losing our lives. And we'll give you great praise, Lord. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. The wonderful name of the, the one who makes this possible, Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.